Hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you all are having an absolutely blessed day today, as always, and we're enjoying a nice warm day down here in Florida. It's very uh, nice, hot and humid, but that seems to be about the uh, rest of the country now. <laughs> Everybody's having a nice warm summer and of course, you got to remember, if you uh, don't drive your vehicle and you don't travel and you don't eat meat and you don't do anything and you sit in your house and turn your AC off, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll lower the temperature for this summer. You'll absolutely make a huge difference. And I'm being blatantly sarcastic as we've seen these excuses being used now all across the country trying to control people's behavior by simply saying, if you do this, this will happen. This was one of the clear cut techniques that we saw during COVID is everybody had to do their part to flatten the curve and stay inside and don't travel and don't run a business and don't breathe air and don't eat and don't do anything but sit in a corner and hold your breath. And uh, again, the lunacy knew no bounds. And we're seeing that now with this entire climate change debacle that we're starting to watch happen all across the country. That's why, again, we constantly get the truth out here every day to give people facts and information so they can make true, educated decisions on what they want to do in certain directions. And we thank you again for supporting healthmasters.com. If you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us. The B-Complex formula on sale is product of the week, over 10% off. You voted it one. Great product, one of the best, if not the best, methylated B-Complex formulas on the market. I can encourage you to compare it to anything else and give it a try. Absolutely get great results of this product all the time. It's one of our top sellers. So be sure to check it out on sale right now. And as I said earlier, with the climate change debacle that's constantly happening now with more and more invasive engagements from alphabet agencies like the EPA, we're watching how every aspect of people's lives they're trying to restrict if we consent to it. You know, just months now after the regulator team with the EPA is working on banning gas stoves and now they're banning wood burning fire, uh, you know, fireplaces and fire stoves in New York. I mean, completely trying to wipe these things out. What's interesting about it, the Consumer Product Safety Commission rule that has been proposed now that's going along with a lot of this limits the amount of carbon monoxide a product can emit with the commission admitting that 95% now of portable gas generators on the market cannot comply with the new standard. So what's happening is now it's not just gas stoves. When everybody's starting to read these new proposals they're wanting to put into place, it's going to essentially outlaw nearly all portable gas generators from being sold. Now, you've got to ask yourself the question. This rule that will prompt widespread generator shortages essentially is giving manufacturers six months to design generators to meet the proposed regulation. This process normally takes years, and the Portable Generator Manufacturers Association executive told the Washington Free Beacon that this is unsustainable. You can't just come in and say, well, guess what? We have new regulations you have to meet within six months. When you're dealing with small, very efficient engines, like, say, a Honda generator, just an example, or any other brand, these motors are very small. They already have enormous amount of pollution controls on them and sound pollution controls on them to keep the decibels down, to keep the pollution down. And overall, they burn really, really clean. However, they also burn very, very hot 
because they have so much emission control on them and so much restrictions on them, but manufacturers have figured out ways around it in trying to make them less pollutive, so to speak. And I've used numerous gas generators over the years, especially brand new ones and helping friends. And, and they're really efficient. They're, and I encourage you to have a generator. The propane generators, that's what I have for my entire house system with a propane tank that's buried. That's my personal opinion. But we also have backup small generator gas generators in the mint. In the event of a emergency where you have just cataclysmic failure in multiple levels, so you got plan A, plan B, plan C. Well, these gas generators allow people to be pretty self-sufficient. And what's happened is now they want nobody to be self-sufficient. The only reason you would have these agencies coming in trying to just unilaterally rule that you've got to change emissions on these generators within six months is they don't want people to be able to be prepared or self-sufficient in the event of a crisis. That's the only reason whatsoever, guys. The pollution controls on everything nowadays are so invasive, they've massively reduced the long-term reliability. I remember back in the day with the 7.3 Power Stroke diesel engine from Ford. That motor, like Dad has said before, that was a million-mile engine. I mean, I knew when I worked construction up in Amelia Island, I knew a guy up there. He had a 7.3, five-speed manual, and the thing had like 590,000 miles on it. We ride around with him sometimes, and dude, it ran like a top, literally ran like a top. I mean, he's, he maintained it very, you know, frequently made sure it was all kept in tight. Everything ran perfect on it. Now, you can't even get much past 100,000 miles on these new diesel power strokes without something going wrong. If that, I've heard horror stories at 20 and 30,000 miles with them because the DPA, the D, excuse me, the DPF with these filters that I'm not joking are like three feet long, sometimes longer than that now, that the exhaust has to push all this through to reduce the soot. Well, the problem with it is it cuts your fuel mileage down sometimes more than half, and it massively increases the EGTs on the engine, which the exhaust gas temperature, which massively overheats the turbos, massively overheats the engine, and causes all types of problems with the motor. Diesel engines were never designed to be having to put their exhaust through a three-foot-long comb filter. That's what it is. It's like a gigantic catalytic converter. So what's happened is now the engines are just getting less and less reliable. I remember when Ford came out with their 6.4 Scorpion engine back in 2008. That motor had been in R&D development for years. That engine, the twin-turbo 6.4 liter, was actually a really good motor on paper, and it was when they were actually testing it and building it and doing long-term reliability standards. The problem with it was EPA came in and said all of a sudden – You've got to retroactively make sure that that engine can handle DPF filters on it. And you have to – and when the EPA first came out with this – listen, this is how inept this was. The EPA said you have to put a giant DPF filter on this diesel engine. You have to put a ninth nozzle, fuel nozzle, fuel injector. When it reaches a certain time, it has to spray diesel fuel inside of the DPF filter and burn off the soot and blow it all out the back, and that's going to be really good for emissions, and we're going to do that. Well, as everybody knew, if you're in the truck world, the 6.4 ended up turning into an abysmal failure. They had to dump the motor within three years. It was shooting out flames. It was seizing up. It was overheating. It was catching on fire because the motor was never designed to function like that in original R&D. But again, yet, you had the EPA coming in and saying, this is going to stop climate change. We know what to do. We'll just keep taxing everybody and forcing everybody to do this, and it'll change everything. Well, now as we've seen the goalposts continually moved every couple of years, they tell us we have to do more and more and more and more. Why do you think it's going to stop? It's not. 
That's why they're going after portable generators now. Portable generators are one of the most easiest, effective ways to be able to be essentially off-grid. You take some of the motorhomes, especially some of the smaller ones that don't have built-in generators. You go buy, you know, a 20, 25-foot pull-behind, and you go run across country with it. You get where you need to do. You pull your generator out. You plug in your power. You got your fridge. You got your freezer. You got all kinds of stuff. You got backup batteries on the on the uh, motorhome, and you keep it charged. You can run the generator occasionally and run an AC and on and off, on and off, on and off. And quite frankly, a lot of them, they can run for hours, hours, just on a gallon or two of gas. Nah, man. That's no good. You can't have people being able to be self-sufficient, traveling freely, unmolested on their way. When I saw this article here going into detail now about these portable gas generators, how they want to go in now and just pretty much tell them you have to go in and put more compliance standards and more emission standards and more restrictions on these because they're they're too pollutive now. And then we've seen it now with a lot of the yard equipment where they constantly have these screens and filters on the exhaust. You can't run two-stroke equipment through screens and tight little filters. It's got oil particulate matter in it. It builds up, overheats the motor. The motor can't run and eventually shuts down. These are all designed to continue to put more restrictions and more problems and push people into the electric world. So they're going to come in now and say, oh, guess what? We, we'll have some type of electric generator that will somehow function. You can charge your generator up. It will have a charge. Then when you get to where you're going, you can plug it in, and you'll get a couple hours of battery service. And then when you find another charging station, you can plug your generator back in. That's where they're going to go with this now because they've already been talking about working with this stuff, even though that is probably one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of in my life. That's where they're going. So, again, use wisdom. Always have a hedge and backup plan if you need something. I don't know what everybody's extensive details are or what they need or what they have to do. But again, when you see stuff like this, you got to know what they're planning for. And that's why I've always told people it's a good idea to have a backup generator along with backup food and backup water. Food and water are two most essential things, whether you want to do organic food buckets that you can cook, whether you want to have some MREs, whether you want to have beans and rice, you decide what's best for you. I've given a lot of people advice on what we carry here and what's available on the market, along with having water jugs and basically backup water filtration, because as you can pretty much start to see the writing on the wall, they're going to start putting so many restrictions, if possible, and they can get away with this to be able to go in, because remember, the EPA – They've turned into a lot like the ATF. They just start arbitrarily coming in and start ruling stuff. They just come in and say, we've decided unilaterally. We're not elected, but we've decided you've got to do this because we said so. It's going to be better for the environment. It's kind of like when they came out with the gas guzzler tax you know, decades ago. Oh, if you have a vehicle that sucks down fuel more than normal, you've got to pay a $1,000, $2,000 gas guzzler tax on a car. Where where's this tax go? Oh, the tax goes to save the environment. You know, it's it, okay. If if you pay us enough money, then we'll we'll fix the environment for you. Well, how's that worked out for us last thirty years? I showed one of my buddies the other day. He was looking at one of the last generation Camaros, the collector's edition Camaro ZL1 that they're coming out with. It's going to be the last gas powered Camaro for twenty twenty four. I can't believe I'm saying that right now, but yeah, they're rolling it out. And it had like a twenty three hundred dollar gas guzzler tax on the MSRP. And he goes, well, is, that, is that from the dealership? I said, oh, no, that's, that. that's your fantastic government that loves you so much. They are going to tax you to save you, and they're going to take the money and do something with it. Nobody knows where it goes. No one knows. But uh, suddenly they're going to fix the environment with your gas guzzler tax. And I said, it's all a joke. It's all a scam. It has been for years. It's just another way to extract more money to make themselves feel like they're actually doing something productive so they can continue to come up, manufacture problems 
to make themselves feel like they're actually doing something productive. ATF does the exact same thing. ATF now is being sued by the gun owners of America for good cause. As last year, if you guys remember, ATF decided they were going to rewrite the policy for FFL dealers, and they've now put in a zero-tolerance policy, essentially making it unbelievably easy for them to revoke gun stores' firearm licenses. Gun Owners of America said the zero-tolerance policy towards lawful commerce guaranteed by the Second Amendment is just the latest example of this administration's weaponizing federal agencies against their political enemies. And that's exactly what they're doing here. And we've watched this happen over and over and over again. They, the ATF rewrote these obscure rules to increase the number of license revocations. As soon as the rule was made, the ATF declared war on gun owners by using the new zero-tolerance policy to put gun dealers out of business over minor recording errors. The ATF is even revoking FFLs for the exact same kind of record-keeping mistakes that they make themselves. Remember, ATF just goes in and they just come up with stuff and they're like, listen, we got to go to the bad ideas factory again. We got a lot of those. ATF has just huge bad idea factories and they go in and say, listen, we got a great idea. We're going to start allowing guns to travel to Mexico, the Mexican drug cartel, and then we're going to lose them. But then we're going to figure out where they are, and it's going to help us bust these drug cartels. You know, it's going to help us find them. Well, the problem was they lost every single gun, and in my opinion, it was blatantly on purpose, including transferring all types of heavy armaments, including machine guns and 50 caliber weapons to the Mexican drug cartel. And then it was, whoopsie, we made a mistake. We, we lost all the guns. So the very thing the ATF says they're trying to do to FFLs, which, by the way, the FFLs were not even involved in this type of stuff, they're coming in now and saying – we're going to go in and shut you down because, well, you misspelled a name or you had a wrong number that showed up on an FFL license or there was a serial number that was in the wrong spot. So we're revoking your FFL. And yes, I'm being serious. That's literally what they're using now as excuses. And if it's bad enough, Morehouse Enterprise joined in on a separate lawsuit against ATF because just a month – listen to this. Just after a month, Morehouse Enterprise jumped in on the lawsuit. ATF initiated the first ever inspection of Morehouse, which does businesses bridge city ordinance. Out of thousands of transactions over decades, they discovered a few minor errors. One of them, they forgot to write down that they returned a repaired gun to a customer. Another one was they accidentally left off a digit from a background number. Another one was they mistakenly wrote the social security number where the background check number should have gone. And, of course, they decided well, none of these errors were blatantly deliberate, but and none of them resulted in somebody acquiring a firearm illegally. It was pretty clear that ATF was blatantly grasping at straws as they go in now and try to seize firearm dealers' licenses and put them out of business because, well, uh, we've decided you know you put the wrong digit down in the wrong spot. So we're seizing everything now. And remember – when an FFL goes out of business, ATF collects all of the forms on paper, including all the person's information, their serial number, the address, every single thing. Hard copy papers of all this stuff. So this isn't an accident. This is happening. But again, this is another reason why I continue to tell people, exercise your Second Amendment right. In the state of Florida, you don't have to have any requirement to transfer a firearm to another person. You don't go through a dealer. If your friend wants to buy one of your rifles from you, he can just sell you a rifle or you, vice versa. They're trying to get rid of this. This is why they constantly keep pushing these bills like, oh, uh, we need to have common sense background checks. That is a 
100% boldface lie title. The entire thing about the common sense background checks is they want to make it federally illegal to sell a firearm to another dealer without going through an FFL license or license dealer intentionally because they want to be able to track everything. Remember, this is a long play with these guys. ATF has been on on this kick since 1964. They really got on this kick in 1986 when they got the ability to stop allowing machine guns to be transferred to civilians that were manufactured after 1986. You can't just get a country that was built on armaments and built on defense completely disarmed in a couple of years. It doesn't happen. It's physically impossible. This is a long game with them, so continue to get the truth out there and encourage others to do the same. What do you think, Dan? You know, the, the problem with ATF is it's massively, massively corrupt. Just, just just saying. I mean, it's been around since, like, the beginning of our country, and it's been around for a long, long time. And it's become kind of an institutionalized, you know, process in which they don't really do what they're supposed to do as far as their primary objective, objectives with alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. And it really, really, really needs to be either restructured or disfunded or disbanded. That's how I feel about it. We have enough other agencies that are out there that could pick up the slack with any of this stuff. You know, we, we basically have the ability at this point to uh, to make a decision on, you know, on, on what we want to do as far as how much we want to deal with as far as ATF and how much we want to continue to call our congressmen and tell them basically that, you know, we don't want to deal with this nonsense anymore. But the reality is, is this, you know, there's a situation in which, you know, we have to as American patriots, we have to make a choice on what we want to do with this stuff, because quite frankly, you know, if we don't do that, what's going to happen is we're going to have a <laughs> they're doing everything they can, Austin, to take away the guns. Now they're closing up dealers. This is a massive assault again on our Second Amendment rights, and it never, ever ends. It's just part of what happens, you know, when you allow a republic to get out of control with legislatures. And with these governing bodies that are not elected officials, when's the last time that you voted for an ATF person to be put in a position of power? When's the last time you voted for the head guy of the ATF? It's just these are appointed places that they bring in, and they do the bidding of the uh, – how should I say – the people that put them in from a partisan standpoint. It just is what it is, and uh, it just it's just part of it. And so it's just I – mean, it's, it's frustrating to me. It really, really is. By the way, I mean, you know, let me just – this is interesting. A, a black Georgia state representative – switch parties to Democrat from Democrat to Republican so that she would have support for her efforts to actually help black constituents instead of using them as political poster cards and receive bucketfuls of racist hate from Democrats and white liberals. Now, you know, I, I saw this and I wasn't going to go into this, but the former Democratic term Republican Georgia State Representative Mesha Maynard shares emails from Democrats proving their true hateful racist colors. Now, I'm going to read you a couple of the letters that she got. And it blows my mind, and it goes right back to partisan politics. It goes right back to what people are doing as far as how they see things. You know, it's either Republican or Democrat, and there's nothing in the middle. And this, some of the stuff I'm going to have to really, really, really um, – I'm going to have to buffer some of the stuff. And uh, here's the first letter. You know, uh, what concerns you? What are your priorities? Here's, she's there, here's a letter. You stupid chocolate job of the hut looking jigaboo. You don't believe – you don't belong in the government. You belong in the fields picking cotton or in my kitchen cooking and cleaning my floor. Go back to Haiti. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, I just don't know what to say this. Here's another one. Blank you, coon, you monkey, blank. You want to be a party trader and go under Brian Kemp's whip because he offered you more yams and collards 
you're despicable and popular and, and, and popular might serve you well. Uh, you blankety blank, blankety blank. You need to get back on the plantation before your master Stacy whips you back into shape. You need to stop eating your fried chicken and watermelon with Vernon Jones. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, this is sickening to me. Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't know how in the world I could say this without being offensive to somebody. But there are a lot of people out there that when you don't do what they want, when you don't say what they want, when you don't act like they want, what ends up happening is you basically get into a situation that, you know, there's no way that they're going to be nice to you. They're going to be unbelievably mean. They're going to be unbelievably hateful. And the sad part about this is, is that you can't fix this. There are some people out there that are just intrinsically mean. They're intrinsically bad people. Now, they may be good looking if they're a guy. They may be pretty if they're a girl. You know, they may have a really good personality when you first meet them, but intrinsically, they're bad. They're really, really bad. And when they write letters like this, it really makes me angry because remember, the Democratic Party was the party of the KKK, of the Ku Klux Klan. Just never forget that. And the Democratic Party is not the one that basically, you know, tried to free the slaves. It was the Republican Party that did that. And so when these people come in here and they leave the Democratic Party, and they go to the Republican Party and they get hate mail like this. This is unconscionable that people talk to each other like this. And it makes me extremely angry. It really does. And so it's part of what we see here in the United States, I guess, is freedom of speech when you hate things like this. I remember years ago. I talked to my, ter- my friend Terry. She's an attorney last night. I've known her for like 40 years. And uh, we were talking about the Masonic Lodge controls as far as what happens, you know, at the highest levels of the federal and, you know, the government and the judiciary. And, you know, and how people who basically are members of the Masonic Lodge, when they get arrested, uh, they're, they're basically their paperwork is lost or their evidence is lost or things are changed and they're let off. And, and then I remembered I told her last night, I said, you know, years ago. We had a crazy lady who was a witch. I'm not making this up that we actually had to take into court with a restraining order because of the letters and threatening death threats, et cetera, et cetera. And it was funny to me because her grandfather was a high level Mason and the judge apparently was a high level Mason. Of course, she immediately evoked her grandfather in this restraining order you know, after she had threatened to kill me in numerous letters. I mean, I can't make this stuff up. This stuff sounds crazy, you guys, and I know it does, but it just, it just is what it is. And the judge basically didn't even rebuke her for what he did and, you know, didn't, and basically would not issue me a restraining order, though she had numerous death threats. Here's the problem I have with all that. If that same lady had written those letters to that judge, he would have her immediately incarcerated, period. And I get aggravated when I watch this system like this, and it's so messed up, and the politics are so overwhelming as far as the people who are out there doing what they do and acting like they act. I mean it's ridiculous. And so the point is this. You know, when we have elected representatives who basically change parties, I understand that you're upset. And you can say to her, I really wish you hadn't done that. You know, to me, you're a traitor because you've gone in and you've changed your party affiliation. Could you please explain to me why you've done this? Okay, that's a reasonable letter, right? But don't be calling them all kinds of names like that. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous when people attack each other like that, and I can't stand that. But I wanted to address that this morning because it bothered me so very, 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 very very much. By the way, the Zionist national conservative governments are flooding Europe with millions of non-white migrants. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is an article from Unz, and uh, it's a pretty good article by Eric Stryker, and uh, he kind of calls it out. The European national conservative movement is rising. The bra- their brain trust and clearinghouse is the Edmund Burke Foundation, a Zionist cutout run by the heads of the Jerusalem-based Theodore Herzl Institute. 
the transatlantic alliance host leaders from the U.S. Republican Party, Hungary, Poland, Britain, and Italy, seeking to implement the new right ideology, put the paper by the Israeli academic Jorman Hazoni in his 2018 book, The Virtue of Nationalism, which expresses support for the NATO pact and an anti-racist civic patriotism rooted in the Judeo-Christian values and a worldwide epidemiology rooted in the Anglo-American right liberal values, which contrasts against authoritarian continental philosophies such as Marxism and fascism. All right, that's a mouthful. What he's saying here is this, that the Zionist control governments that are basically pushing the values of Israel and the Kabbalist Luciferian synagogue of Satan are the ones that are responsible for pushing the migration into Europe to destroy the culture. That's what he's saying. And I'm going to post this article so you can read it, and so hopefully <laughs> you can try to you know, decipher his jargon. I mean he didn't have to write like that, but he did. But all of this stuff has been just so important that we understand who's in charge of all this stuff. By the way, the artificial intelligence has been made woke. There's an article by Paul Craig Roberts. He goes, Robert Henderson writing in the spring of 2023 issue of City Journal explains that the woke cadre is coding ideology into artificial intelligence. Henderson tested the chat GPT which students are likely to increasingly use to write their essays and term papers as they are no longer taught to read or write and think. Henderson asked the AI system to write a script in which an expert explains why fascism is, not a, is a good thing. Chat answered that it is not able to generate content that promotes a, or glorifies harmful ideologies such as fascism. Okay? That has caused immense harm throughout history. Henderson then asked the chat GTP to write a script in which the expert explains why communism is a good thing. Communism is a good thing because it's a system of government, so it promotes communism. What is going on here is the AI is being used to create a biased narrative to control how we think and see history. Absolute fact. AI has its own memory hold taboo topics and is being fashioned to inculcate us with approved ways of thinking and speaking. The roles of families in instilling children, proper attitudes and values have been taken over by a woke AI. AI is producing a world without thought just an acceptance of narratives, in other words, the end of civilizations, as Elon Musk fears, but Elon Musk is the one who's just put billions of dollars into developing more and more in-depth AI. This is a problem you know, with this AI thing, and we've talked about it so many times on the show, and we're starting to realize just how brainwashed it's made to people in America. Almost half of millennials now think that misgendering a transgender person should be a criminal offense, new survey finds. A higher portion of millennials believe referring to a transgender person using incorrect pronouns should be considered a criminal offense. Among those ages 25 to 34, 44% support the idea that misgendering is a criminal offense, while only 31% disagree. So that means around 70% either support or not sure of taking somebody and putting them in jail or fining them if they misgender a transgender. This is insanity, guys. This, and this is the group that's going to be taking over our government and our country when the baby boomers all retire and these other people start retiring. The issue of transgender rights and its implications on women's rights has become a contentious political topic in the United States as it was meant to be because they were doing everything they possibly can to destroy the values of the United States via the Frankfurt School and cultural Marxism. This is another interesting article that says – in July the 5th, 2023, Dr. Peter McCulloch, and this is changed topic, Dr. Harvey Risch and Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, an expert clinical pathologist, and several other colleagues published a systemic review of an autopsy findings of people who died after receiving the COVID shot on the Lancet Journal's preprint server. Disturbingly but not surprisingly, they concluded that 62% to 73% of post-jab deaths 
were likely caused by the injection. Previous autopsy reviews have also concluded that mRNA COVID shots are a causative factor in sudden cardiac deaths, as explained by the authors. The aim of this systematic review is to investigate possible causal links between COVID-19 vaccine administration and death using autopsies and post-mortem analysis. We searched for all the published autopsy and necropsy reports related to the vaccine. We initially identified 678 studies, and after screening for our inclusion criteria, included 44 papers that contained 325 autopsy cases and one necropsy case. Three physicians independently reviewed all these deaths and determined whether COVID was the cause. Wow. The most implicated organ system, vaccine-associated death, was the cardiovascular system, 53%, followed by the hemological system, 17%, the respiratory system by 8%, and multiple organ systems and failure of 7%. Three or more organ systems were affected in 21 cases. Now, you know, the mean time from vaccination to death was 14.3 days. Guys, that's really fast. Most deaths occurred within a week from the last vaccine, and a total of 240 deaths were independently adjudicated as a direct due or significantly contributed to by the COVID vaccination. This is a real, real problem here right now that people don't understand. These vaccines, and you guys understand it, are going to absolutely decimate the population of the planet, and they're going to continue to do so. And it's like Austin and I were talking about it yesterday. They're going to come up with another pandemic, whether it's going to be Ebola or some type of hemorrhagic fever, which they're going to come back in and do everything again and try to force more and more and more vaccines. It's, it's, just, it's just insanity. It really, really is. So what we have to understand is that, you know, we've got to stand our ground and rely on Jesus all the days of our life. And we've got to understand that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because this is the day the Lord hath made and we will rejoice and we'll be glad in it. And again, you can mitigate. Look at the spike protein you know, survival kit that we have at healthmasters.com. You can mitigate a lot of the damages associated with these doggone vaccines, but you've got to take a step to do that. And then you've got to stay away from the vaccines from this point forward. Guys, listen to me. This isn't going to stop. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until they completely mutate the entire genome of the human species here on this planet, as they did in Genesis 6. Jesus told us they were going to do that, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be upon my return. They're doing everything, again, contrary to the rules of engagement that we talked about in Angel Wars. And why do they do that? Why do they force God's judgment back on the planet? Because they are desperate to try to some, find some source of salvation for themselves. They are desperate to destroy everything God created. They hate God. They hate Jesus. They hate you and me. They hate all of us, and they want to destroy everything God made. So always remember that you stand firm in Christ, and you always remember that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Because we have to stand right now, as the book of Ephesians says, because if we don't, this is going to be something that's going to take over the entire planet pretty doggone fast. And it, it's sad to me. It really is awesome that all these people are dying and being directly related back to the vaccine injection. What do you think, bud? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's rough, man. I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, the phone calls that I've gotten over the last year, the emails that I've gotten, people that I know as friends and family and, you know, people that try to warn each other and – it's it's frustrating, I think, to me now the way I've looked at it all because they played it off so aggressively as this, you know, I mean, I, I, we played the clips on here before. I mean, there's numerous, numerous clips and collages of clips of, you know, mainstream media outlets. I mean, repeatedly, all these different talking heads, I mean, just eviscerating and belittling and degrading anyone that doesn't want to get the RNA shot. And I mean, they did such an aggressive propaganda piece that, you know, a lot of people went along with it. Now, I know a lot of people that got, you know, like the first shot or something like that, and they never got it again. It appears that, you know, really where you start seeing a lot of really bad effects from this 
is when people start getting the third and fourth shot and it just the body becomes overloaded. We're seeing the turbo cancers now. We're seeing people that just are getting common colds and being put on their back from it, the minor flu, and all of a sudden they're just shot out. I mean, they're they're on the ground, you know, and this is happening more and more and more because the immune system is being overloaded. And then to put it just the icing on the cake, they tell everybody you've got to get these shots in your six month old baby. No understanding from any research or clinical trials what this is going to do long term at all, or do they? Like Dad just made a comment earlier. He's talking about those horrific numbers that children and teenagers and young adults are basically talking about being supportive of people being jailed and fined for misgendering people. I mean, I, I, I my jaw dropped when he said that. The amount of these young adults that are actually supportive of this. That are actually saying yes, yeah. If, if you say something, you misgender somebody. You you need to go to jail. You don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. Go directly to jail. And it's like, excuse me, whoa, where are we going with here? This, I mean, we're, we're just going to start picking and choosing anything we don't like that somebody says. We're immediately start arresting people. What are we in communist China now? When the old, with the old Gestapo's in Germany, that's, that's forbidden. It's forbidden. You can't say that. You go to jail. No. First Amendment was here for a reason. Secondly, because somebody has a true delusional identity, because they have gender dysphoria, because they have a mental disorder, okay, we got it. You need some help. If you don't want to get help and you still want to live in that world, okay, that's still your choice. However, that does not mean the rest of society is now somehow required to go along with your delusion that you live in in your fantasy world. At no point in recorded history in the United States have we ever said that people have to go along with other people that have mental disabilities and follow along with their fantasies and delusions. That's never even been a relevant discussion because that is not productive in any manner of form when you actually start talking about a positive, productive society. It doesn't work. But yet, you see now, this younger generation has already been so brainwashed. What happens when you start having these shots now that we already know are causing infertility problems in grown, healthy adults? What happens when you start having this happen to six-month-olds now and one-year-olds and two-year-olds? They start getting these shots. What's going to happen in 10 or 12 years? I think the idea and understanding of what we're watching is going to occur. It's not it's not coincidence that these kids now, these young kids under five, are being pushed these shots heavily now at the pediatrics office. I got an email the other day from a customer that was talking to me about one of their friends that was at the uh, doctor's office. And the doctor, sure enough, their kid was like four years old going in for a checkup. Doctor's pushing the COVID shot. Oh, he hasn't had the COVID shot on his record yet. We need to go ahead and get it to him. And their friend at least had enough, they were phenomenic enough, I mean, they were sharp enough, they were awake enough to go, nah, nah, we're going we're gonna to hold off on that right now, bud. You know, and it's crazy to me, and I said it yesterday, it's crazy to me how sometimes I'll see women, and I've talked to pregnant females, and Lana's talked to people before, where they're actually pretty awake when it comes to nutrition and prenatal health and prenatals and, you know, staying away from certain things and not drinking alcohol and not eating a bunch of toxic food. And they do this for nine months trying to make the best baby, and then it's like when it comes right out of the gate, oh, they need a hepatitis B shot. The hepatitis B shot is one of the 
biggest scams that has ever been perpetrated on, on infants that are newborns, period. RFK Jr. goes into detail about this, how nobody was taking this shot because nobody needed this shot. And they basically petitioned to have it put on the CDC shot schedule for children so they could sell it because it wasn't moving because nobody wanted the Hep B shot because it wasn't something that was really needed because majority of people that were getting Hep B were drug users or prostitutes, and it wasn't something that those people normally gave or you know basically cared about. There people that are on heroin, newsflash, don't go into the hospital and go, hey, uh, I'm a heavy heroin user. Can you give me a hepatitis B shot to see if it'll protect me? Newsflash, they don't do that. That's right. <laughs> so what they had to do was they had to put this on the shot schedule to sell this shot, and they knew it was unbelievably toxic. They knew there was no legitimate purpose. If you knew a mother wasn't hep B positive, was there any legitimate purpose to have a newborn injected with a shot right out of the gate? Because it doesn't protect them at all as far as from hepatitis exposure, period. The same thing with the vitamin K shot. I have warned people about the vitamin K shot. I have a vial sitting on my desk. I actually, I just picked it up right now from a friend of mine. I've read this to you guys. On the side of the vial, one milligram slash 0.5 milliliters of neonatal concentration of vitamin K emulsion, USP, contains no more than 100 micrograms of aluminum. Of aluminum! You got a baby that has been protected in its mother's womb for nine months. And right when it comes out, you go, hey, need a vitamin K shot, 100 mics of aluminum. Oh, they need a hep B shot. All of a sudden, these kids start having all these respiratory problems, all these health problems right out of the gate. It was designed like this, guys. They wanted to get the babies right when they came out of the mother's womb to be wrapped up in the medical industrial complex so they could keep them in the medical model, sicken them as much as they possibly could, keep them going to the pediatric office every month to keep getting their follow-up shot after follow-up shot after follow-up shot to keep them unbelievably sick so they could keep prescribing them more drugs, more antibiotics, more prescriptions, more routine surgeries like adenoid surgery. And tonsil surgery, I mean, I've never heard about so lately of so many children, you know, year old, two years old, getting their adenoids yanked, their tonsils yanked. Guys, newsflash to anybody that understands anatomy and physiology, those organs were there for a reason. God didn't just accidentally go, whoa, I created Adam. Oh, man, those adenoids and tonsils fell in there. You know, well, I'll just let them be. You know, they're, they're already there now. They're designed to work with the immune system. They're designed to help the body protect itself. They're not designed to be cut out because they're so stinking and flamed all the time because they're constantly getting shot after shot after shot after shot after shot with known inflammatory compounds like aluminum. Please do your own research and do your own research and give to other people about this. This is getting worse and worse and worse with these young kids. Uh, oh, excuse me. I watch it every single day. I hear about it every single day. Steve hears about it every single day. Phone calls and emails on a regular basis with parents that go, oh, my gosh, I've heard stuff on your show. I've read stuff on your site. I wish, I wish, I wish I would have read this earlier. My child is having all these problems. I'm not giving them shots anymore, but I wish I would have known before I did this. Please, my friends, you've got to be vocal and talk about the topic. One thing. That COVID did, and I said this, one positive thing about it, 
is it woke up an enormous portion of the United States about vaccine toxicity and what they're putting in these shots. And there were so many people that I personally knew that honestly, they were kind of pro-vaccine or they didn't think much about it. They said, oh, this is just this is just what normally happens now. My parents did it. They did it to me. Well, I just go along with it. It's just generational norms. It's learned behavior that needs to be unlearned and people need to do their own research. Why is it that the Amish, when they've gone in and researched tens of thousands of Amish individuals and communities all across the country, they don't have problems with autoimmune disease. They don't have problems with ADHD and they don't have autism. Yet they are diametrically opposed to vaccines and yet they're not having massive outbreaks of measles, mumps, and rubella all over the Amish community, and they're all dropping dead from all these diseases. Does anybody else wonder why that's happening? Maybe it's because of their diet. Maybe it's because they're not constantly killing their immune system with toxins. Maybe it's because they're not constantly ruining their immune system with overabundance of aluminum exposure with shot after shot after shot. Maybe the Amish are onto something about living off the land and living healthy. I don't know. Crazy idea, huh? Do some own research on it and get the truth out there, my friends, because this isn't a topic that's going to go away. They're talking about you know autism rates being one out of two kids now by 2032. These numbers aren't accidental, guys. While they're putting out straight propaganda that I read you guys a couple months ago, the reason why autism rates are going up is because, well, we're better at identifying it now. We understand it a little bit better, so we're identifying it more often. Oh, my gosh. Can you come up with more rhetoric than that? This is exactly what they're going to do. The same thing they've done with the shots now. Taking a nap on the couch leads to heart attack and strokes. Working outside is causing an increase in heart attacks. Playing too many video games is causing heart attacks in kids. Really? Really? Because that never seemed to be a problem until about two years ago when you started to hear terms like myocarditis and pericarditis that the normal population never even knew existed in most cases unless they're in the medical field. And now you start talking about five- and six-year-olds coming down with myocarditis, which is virtually non-existent in normal communities. Yet now, oh, it's just a normal thing. Six-year-old gets myocarditis, even to the point that they were doing medical cartoons on it to promote it and talk about how it's okay, should get through this. Just like they've done in the cancer industry now to normalize children getting cancer and putting on chemotherapy and radiation all the time. Maybe it has something to do with what's being injected into these kids and what's being fed to these kids. Just a crazy idea of me talking about this topic. So if you don't believe me, please do your own research or go on the website and look at the plethora of articles and research studies that we have posted on there and get the truth out on a regular basis. Dad, what do you think? Uh, there's a really good website, and I'm not really promoting it as far as any supplements or anything else that it does, but it does give you a lot of good research, and they've been really hit hard by the FDA. It's called Green Med Info, and uh, I don't agree with it. It's very liberal, very, uh, how should I say, new agey, so just be careful on that website. But you can put into the search engine, you know, mercury toxicity, newborns, aluminum toxicity, newborns, and it'll pop up with a bunch of different articles in there and a bunch of different double-blind clinical research studies that have been done on all this stuff, and Austin's right. You know, you don't need to be injecting a baby with, you know, 100 micrograms or micrograms or whatever you want to call it of aluminum. It has no practical purpose for the brain. It just causes massive fibro problems with the brain and with the developing brain. Uh, it's just a mess. I mean, they're, they're promoting this, this, this massive amount of reduction of the IQ points from birth and, and prenatal nutrition when mothers don't eat the right foods when they're pregnant and they don't get enough omega-3 fats while they're pregnant. All of this stuff is a big mess. And people need to realize that if you don't see what's going on, then you're going to be caught up in this whole mess of this 
political, industrial garbage that we're involved in as far as the medical complex. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning about the, the, you know, the problems associated with childhood vaccines, and there's two really good books. I've mentioned them before, Confessions of a Medical Heretic by Dr. Robert Rendelson. He's a pediatrician, and he talks about the entrenched dogma that has destroyed modern medicine as far as what they're willing to believe about anything that they're told from the medical schools or from the drug companies. You'll love the book. Confessions of a Medical Heretic, Dr. Robert Mendelson. The book's been around for 30, 40 years, probably 40 years. Another one is How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Pediatrician by Dr. Robert Mendelson, who's a pediatrician. And he slams and hammers the entire vaccine industry in that book from 40 years ago. And, of course, he was doing all the talk show circuits. He was doing really well because, remember, back when he was on the talk show circuits, Bill Clinton had not deregulated it yet. They were still regulated, and not one company could own all the, movies, the radio stations or all the TV stations. And he was a very good interviewee, and he was going on all these talk shows and basically hammering the doggone drug companies. And he suddenly died suddenly. I think he was like 61 years old, and I think he died in his sleep. I, mean, I don't remember what it was from, cardiovascular disease or whatever. And he was as thin as a rail, and he exercised all the time, and he ate clean, you know, whatever. So I'm not making any statements here as far as his cause of death being, you know, suspicious. Well, it's, it seems strange to me, but just thought I'd mention that. But the whole thing is that he was out telling people about this, what I'm telling you about 40 years ago. And those books are still just as relevant today. And that's back when the autism rates were still around 1 in 10,000, 1 in 8,000, 1 in 5,000, whatever it was. And he warned about all this stuff in those books. And those are the two books that I read before Sharon ever got pregnant with Austin. And I made, it made me decide just from those two books that I wasn't going to inject anybody's poison into my children after they were born, period. I wasn't going to do it. And so when Austin, and so Sharon and I discussed all of this stuff before she got pregnant, before she gave birth to Austin, and we were on the same page. It's like we were talking about yesterday. You have to have similar values when you're with somebody. Otherwise, all you're going to end up doing is arguing and fighting all the time, and that's just no good. It really, really isn't no good. By the way, here's an article that was – here's a meeting of the 2009 meeting of the Good Club, and this is from Global Research. And it says billionaires try to shrink the world's population – Secret Gathering by Bill Gates in a 2009 meeting of the Good Club. You know, for more than 10 years, meetings have been held by billionaires described as philanthropists. Actually, what they are, they're Rothschild cutout stooges to reduce the size of the world's population, culminating with the 2020-2022 COVID poisoned injection crisis. Recent developments suggest that depopulation is an integral part of the so-called COVID mandates, including the lockdown policies and the mRNA vaccine. Flashback to 2009. According to the Wall Street Journal's billionaires try to shrink the world's population. In May 2009, the billionaire philanthropist met behind closed doors at the home of the president of the Rockefeller University in Manhattan. This secret gathering was sponsored by Bill Gates, and they called themselves the Good Club. Among the participants were the late David Rockefeller, Warren Buffett, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg, Ted Turner, Oprah Winfrey, and many, many more. In May 2009, the Wall Street Journal, as well as the Sunday Times, reported John Harlow, Los Angeles, that the sum of America's leading billionaires have been secretly considering how their wealth could be used to slow the growth of the world's population and speed up improvements in health and education. Uh, yeah. So why in the world did these guys get to do this? Why? Because the international banking cartels, which have put them into the positions of power and have put them where they are, that inter same international banking cartel is basically coming in now and telling them what they're going to do or they will no longer have access to their funds. I'm going to say something. I'm going to be pretty bold with this right now. 
a lot of these people who claim to be, you know, absolute billionaires, these, these guys that are just, you know, really just the, the, the what do you call it? The, uh, the people that really control the world through money and through finance. A lot of these people really don't get the fact that the world is run by the international banking cartels, those who write these articles. And they like to believe that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett have control of hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars. It's simply not true. These international bankers control the stock purchases, et cetera, et cetera, and so many other things concerning their corporations, and they're the front people or the cutouts that are being used for this. And once you understand that, you start to realize what an unbelievable mess we found ourselves in because, quite frankly, this is not going away. This is getting much, much, much worse, and until we figure out exactly who these people are, which we already know in most cases, and we stand against them and we stop promoting them and buying stuff from them and promoting and buying things from their corporations – uh, we're not going to get rid of this mess, and the problem is because of State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard now being used as the front people for this international banking cartel, the entire planet is owned by these clowns, and it's been that way for a long, long time, but they were using additional front organizations. They always use cutouts because – and I've talked about this before. If it was Rothschild Gas Station, Rothschild Supermarket, Rothschild 5 and 10, Rothschild Hotel, and everything said Rothschild on it. People would become incensed, and they would become unbelievably angry, and they'd say, why is it these clowns control everything? And to, quite frankly, because they are smart, they decided not to do that, you know, and they realized what happened with Standard Oil you know, over 100 years ago. And it was broken up into as many counterparts, which made you know, you know, Rockefeller even more wealthy, that they understood they have to use other people in the front. You know, that's why they used J.P. Morgan. That's why they did all that stuff. That's why they used people that were their, their lackeys, like Woodrow Wilson, to get the work done they wanted to have done, and they were controlled by these guys. The same thing is true with Elon Musk. The same thing is true with Donald Trump. The same thing is true with almost all the – Bill Gates, almost all the world billionaires, Jeff Bezos. They give them this incredible lifestyle that's just beyond wealthy. They really do because they allow them to access those types of funds, but then they stop it right there. If they, let me give you an example. Yeah, let's say you decided you want to buy gold, and you wanted to make a big purchase of gold. Let's say you want to buy $100 million worth of gold at today's prices. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. It's the paper market now. It's not the true commodities market, and you would not be able to get that much gold. They would simply not ship it to you because they're not going to allow you to transfer out of paper currency and buy that much solid money, which is gold. They're not going to do it. Look what happened to the president of Venezuela. He wanted his gold back. He suddenly died. All of this stuff happens to people when they want to get away from the fiat system and not be involved in you know, funny money anymore and all of the junk that they do as far as what they print. So that's what we find ourselves right now. These guys are being control. By the way, JFK is now testifying. This is interesting. You guys will like this. He says, he goes, I've never been a racist or an anti-Semite, he says, as he's forced to address the backlash against the claim that COVID is ethically, ethically targeted, which by the way it is, and he testifies on the federal government censorship. Robert F. Kennedy made bizarre claims about COVID-19, telling an audience that the virus is designed not to affect Jewish or Chinese people. Yeah, Lee Merritt said that on our show, too. I think Lee Merritt was right, and I think Kennedy tried about this, too. I don't think censoring anybody is actually the answer here, said Speaker McCarthy. The Democratic part presidential hopeful is testifying on government censorship you know, to the House on Tuesday. And uh, I got to give the boy credit for coming out and saying that. By the way, Joe Rogan has now correctly said that Bill Clinton was blackmailed by Jeffrey Epstein over 26 on, over because of 26 trips on the pedophile's private plane and claims an infamous painting of the president in a blue dress is a billionaire saying, I got you, you biatch. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I got to laugh about that one. Of course, it didn't say Biatch. It's something else. Guys, I love you. I prayed for you today. You guys are absolutely amazing to me. I love doing the show, and I love coming to you live every day. I really, really appreciate you guys. Also, finish it up, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Absolutely. That was a pretty funny story. Remember, there were some strange paintings at Epstein's compounds. Were not only the one with Bill Clinton, Ted just mentioned, also the one with George W., where he's sitting on the ground playing with paper airplanes with two Jenga block towers that are collapsed right in front of him. Pretty strange paintings to have in your house, not going to lie. That guy was really, really weird as far as Epstein and all the stuff he was directly involved in. And that's why we've seen every single thing go into detail about who he engaged with, in most cases, gets completely shut down. The Pretty much the flight list is about all you ever hear have talked about it. That's all. I mean, when Maxwell did her deposition, her testimony, basically, to try to cut her deal, where the judge refused to allow it to be public, it still has not been released, about who was actually directly involved with Epstein. We saw what happened with J.P. Morgan. These guys got wrapped up in this lawsuit, and they you know, settled for a $290 million judgment. That's a lot of money, guys. I mean, that's almost a third of a billion dollars. These people in these banker systems, they're involved in a whole lot of shady stuff on a regular basis, and that's why – it's always good to have a little bit of stuff outside the system. Like Dad said, you know, you can't go in and buy an enormous amount of gold. I mean, a huge amount. But you can buy a little bit here and there, a little bit of silver here and there, and have some backup commodities, some backup assets like that. Again, I'm not giving you any medical advice. What I'm saying is my opinion, I've always had this opinion. Dad and I have always talked about this. Never have all your eggs in one basket. Always kind of have a little bit of stuff diversified and backup plans because at the end of the day, you never know when you might need something. That's what I talked about earlier with, you know, the generators, the portable generators. You know, they have solar panel generators that are kind of eh, kind of janky, but some of them work good from what I've read, and other types of generators that are out and about that you can use. And the thing about this is, you know, there's a reason why we've constantly been hearing about this rhetoric, you know, over the last what probably two months or so, how the predictive programming to the mainstream media has been saying that we're going to have a we're going to have a, a grid attack. We're going to have a grid down attack. They're going to knock the grid down. It's going to be right-wing extremists. It's going to be – they've already primed everybody with these tiny little incidences that have occurred where these guys come by and shoot these transformer boxes or basically shoot these substations. And then immediately, it's a right-wing extremist. you got to ask yourself a question. Somebody that's a right-winger that's about basically getting truth out there and about people waking up, why are you going to go and commit multiple, multiple felonies and go shoot substations to try to knock out power systems? There's really no upside to doing that whatsoever. There's nothing positive about it. The only reason something like that would occur, in my opinion, is that you're trying to have a false flag event used by essentially FBI informants as we already saw directly in January 6th, to instigate something and then bring some type of patsy into it and say, oh, we found him. We found the lone wolf. He orchestrated this all by himself. Right-wing extremist. He, he goes online and looks at extremist right-wing content, and he decided he was going to go shoot a sub-panel. Oh, it's the right-wingers now. We've got to go after him. Just like NBC with that, that moronic com- that commentary that came out that article the other day about how right-wing extremism has taken over fitness. Really? So now you're – and it, it, it tries to sit there and compare to Nazism in Germany and Mein Kampf for going in and working out and being in shape and breathing fresh air and eating clean. 
You have to create a boogeyman if you're constantly going to create opposition. It's just wartime facts. That's what you have to do. That's why if you look at the media, we always have this boogeyman we're going after all the time. Right now, the current boogeyman is Russia. So we're just throwing troves of money endlessly into this giant hole. Rand Paul came out the other day, and he blatantly said, we're out of ammo and money to give Ukraine. He flat out said, we are running out of munitions. It's not we're throwing surplus anymore. We are now throwing active surplus, active ammunition. We have no surplus ammo to give them anymore. We're out of ammo, and we're out of money. Now, whether or not that's just him playing the you know, partisan back-and-forth politics and trying to create more of a headline topic, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. The amount of weapon systems and platforms and munitions that we've allegedly been sending over to that region, and a lot of it is being trafficked out, weapons trafficking to other countries, which I have had personal topics with, people that I know that are retired contractors, that is a real thing that's happening right now. And I told you before, this 6.8 round, this Sig Sauer is going to start producing over the next couple of years with the new Sig Sauer weapon platform that's placed in the M4. There's something very strange that that's going on right now while we're sending Millions and millions and millions of rounds and pallets of 5.56 ammunition to Ukraine while we have a new ammunition coming in that essentially Sig Sauer is going to be the sole manufacturer for two years before Lake City takes it over. Pretty strange. Don't think it's coincidental. Do your own research. Send me an email or comment if you've got more info on that, especially with any contractors who may have some ideas with what's happening with this platform and what's going on with just the endless amount of weapons we're sending over there. And if we're actually really running out of ammunition, I always appreciate everybody's feedback. Thank you again for the support of healthmasters.com. Be complex on sale. Y'all voted. It won over 10% off on product of the week. And also, to be sure to see what else is coming up next. Looks like the liver support, prostate support, thyroid support. A bunch of those are getting a bunch of votes for next week. So be sure to check on those. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.